0: that we're going to be in the book of psalms tonight book of psalms chapter 119 we're going to hang around there a little while we've been talking about some spiritual disciplines uh in the, uh, in the act of trying to be a disciple of christ and we touched just a little bit on on studying our bible and uh and i had a buddy of mine ask me he said how important do you think reading the bible is i said well on a scale of one to ten about a 13 roughly and i, I got to thinking about it he said, well, put it in the terms that somebody else can understand. Not everybody knows what is in the Bible, how important the Bible may be. I said, well, you're a, you're a deer hunter, right? He said, yeah. I said, what's the one thing that you never go in the woods without? He said, my gun. I said, no. You go in the woods with your gun and you try to throw it at a deer and you're not going to kill him. He said, I said, what is the number one thing that you cannot go in the woods without? He said, oh, bullets. Absolutely right. If you don't have your ammunition, whenever you go hunting, you're not going to kill anything. Whenever you go to war, whenever you go to battle, whenever you go to fight, whenever you go to to shoot for sport, if you don't have your ammunition, you can have as many guns as you want, and you're not going to be able to shoot. You're not going to be able to defend yourself. You're not going to be able to to get anything. you're, You're out there pointless. And so whenever I was talking to him about this, I compared ammunition to the Bible. He said, well, what's the gun? I said, your big mouth, and it's the truth. Because most of the time, that's where it comes from. It's either our mouth or our actions. Either can be the gun that shoots the ammunition that is the Word of God. But without the Word of God, essentially, we are completely and totally unarmed in a world that is fighting us tooth and nail for the souls of the ones that are lost and unsaved for future generations. And the Bible said, well, let's go ahead and read it. In the book of Psalm, chapter 119, we've already read it. Well, it's kind of recited at one time. We're going to read the whole verse in chapter in verse 105, in Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather again tonight. God, we thank you for the songs that were sung. Thank you for the young people that are in the back. God, the way they participated in the service. God, thank you for the ones that will bring them. Such a blessing to be able to see young people active and involved in the church. God, I pray you continue to bless. God, help us so we would never be a hindrance in any way. God, but we could be an encouragement in everything we do or say. God, help us tonight as we open your word. God, that we could grow in our relationship with you, that we could be a better disciples for you. God, help us so we could read and study and appreciate your word more. God, that we wouldn't go out into this world without any ammunition, without something to defend ourselves. God, without the power of your word with us. God, help us so we could see the value of this in our everyday life. God, that we wouldn't neglect you or your word in any way. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. And we've talked about the gospel and what it meant, and we've talked just a little bit about studying the Word of God, uh, but tonight I want to talk just a little bit about, about being rooted and grounded in the Word. Whenever somebody asks you something and you have to back it up with the Bible, do you have to, to search and hunt for the answer, or do you have to search and hunt for where exactly the Scripture is, but you know the Scripture? Do you have to search and hunt for exactly how the word is, or do you have to look for something somewhere because you don't have a clue whenever it comes to memorizing scripture I, i'm not near about where i need to be uh I, I can hardly remember birthdays and wedding anniversaries and anything else that's semi-relatively important uh and, and so the bible is very important to me but when it comes to remembering it i tend to have to write everything down uh and most of the time i do it on my wall in my office i have sticky notes everywhere because i just have a terrible time of remembering things. But whenever it comes to to God putting the word, putting the scriptures in our head, in our heart, the Bible says that he'll call to remembrance. And the thing about calling to remembrance, if we've never read it before, we're not going to be able to remember. We're not going to recall that in any way. And so whenever it comes to reading and studying God's word, yes, the Holy Spirit will give us the words at the time that we need them. If we're disciples of Christ, he can, the, the Holy Spirit cannot give us words that we have never read. The Holy Spirit cannot reveal, to us, uh, uh, reveal things to us if we don't read and study God's word and if we don't do it faithfully. And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about being rooted, being grounded, uh, being sustained by the words that are contained within this book. Uh, we're not going to turn to these scriptures and read them. I, I just jotted down some things that the word of God is considered in the Bible, some things that it is often compared to. In John chapter 6 verse 51, the word of God is compared to bread. And in Hebrews in chapter 5, to meat, to 1 Peter in chapter 2, to milk. and you tell me if those things right there can't sustain life? Word of God can too. Amen. The bread, the meat, and the milk. In Psalm chapter 12 and in Psalm chapter 19 is compared to silver and gold. Saying that is better than both silver and gold. And so we, we've already hit on two of the main things that our lives center around outside of God. One is eating Most of the time, whenever we begin to plan, we plan ahead for food. I plan my vacations around where I want to eat. And then the second thing is money. The most important thing to most people in this life is money because of greed. And the Bible says that the word of God is more valuable than silver and gold. And so we already see the importance of word of God is valued above The things of this world, it is valued above even our own necessary food and drink. And Jeremiah, he compares it to a fire. Fire can be one of two things. Fire can be destructive. or fire can be creative. Always one of two. It can be destructive in the way that it can destroy someone's sinful life. In a way that it can destroy doubt in a way that it can destroy the temptations of the devil. It can be creative in the way that it turns people around. It can bring them out of darkness and create a totally, what well, the Bible says, a new creature. Totally and completely, and I know y'all are going to get upset at me for always harping on it, but we're going to talk about the demoniac. He changed that man's life forever. He created a new creature. In Psalm chapter 19, the Bible is compared to being as sweet as honey. Something that is savory to the tongue. Something that we should enjoy. And while sometimes the begats and begots are hard to get through, the Word of God is something that we should not sit down and read out of habit or out of mama said I had to or out of, well, I have nothing else to do. If we sit down and do it because of that, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. It's not going to do us quite as much good. It's not gonna just, I'm not saying it won't do us any good because reading the Bible does us good, Period. But it's not going to do it as much good as if we sat down to read it, to enjoy it. Because we should. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6 is compared to being living water. Something that can sustain life. In James in chapter 1, it said that it can be a mirror. So that we might see how we measure up in its reflection, in its words. And that's a scary thought in and of itself. But the word of God can be a great many things, but the one thing that it is above all else is it is our instruction guide to this life. Without it, we're we're just kind of wandering around, like most people have been in 2020. It's just just kind of just kind of there. And so, whenever we get to talking about it, I, I found a quote while I was uh, kind of reading this study and studying in one of my reference books that George Gritter said, "Read it through, pray it in." Live it out and pass it on. I'm going to read that one more time. Read it through. Pray it in. Live it out and pass it on. I'm a real big quotes guy. I really enjoy quotes, especially ones that get you to thinking. And that one really got me to thinking. The first step in that is to read it out. And I know January is coming and it's on its way here. And there's never been a better time to read your Bible all the way through than to start in January. No better time because that is a New Year's resolution that you have a bunch of people in church here that will help you hold to it. That is a New Year's resolution that your relationship in God will grow as you hold to it. That is a New Year's resolution that you may start because someone guilted you into it. Because you thought you you may have wanted to do it and then you get to... uh, You get to some of them begats and begots and you start to lose your resolve. But then you remember exactly how much you enjoy reading Psalms, how much you enjoy reading about the promises of God, about the things that he brought the children of Israel through, about the creation that he spoke into existence, about the beauty that he gives us, about the love that he had whenever he sent his only begotten son, about the victory that we all get that we read about in Daniel and in Revelations. The back of the book. Even though we may start it for one reason, we finish it because we love it. And by reading through the Word of God, by studying the Word of God, we become armed. We become grounded. We have an answer. Peter said to always have an answer. We have an answer. And if we read and study, we have a better answer. You ever had that that time somebody come up and ask you a question and, and you don't really know, when you give them a half an answer, and then in five minutes you think of the perfect thing to say, and they're already gone. Happens to me all the time. The more we read and study, the more good answers we come up with. The better we're able to answer someone. I came up with, in, in, uh, in reading and studying, I came up with three steps that we can take whenever we begin to read and study our Bible a little bit more. A little bit deeper, a little bit harder. The first thing is to observe. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119, verse 18. 119, verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Whenever we read God's word, as a lost person. A lost person can read God's word, and his word's on a page. A saved person can read God's words, and it is the voice of God speaking to us. It is completely and totally different. It is something absolutely wonderful. We can be out of of fellowship with God and read the Bible, and it is a, it is black words on a white page, but whenever we are in fellowship with God, whenever we are in a relationship with Him, whenever we desire to draw closer to Him, whenever we have a desire to read and study and to grow in the the grace and knowledge of His Word, then He will open our eyes. Verse 18, Psalm 119, Open thou mine eyes. This represents a desire for for God to open our eyes, to explore God's word. My wife calls it diving down a rabbit hole. She found a couple this past week studying for Sunday school. And when I came out there, the the big old antique concordance that my dad gave me, like this thick, I mean, old brown cover, just you can tell it, it's been, been around a little while. It was sitting on the kitchen table. Two or three Bibles was laying out, a couple of notebooks where she had taken notes. And, and she said, I, I just jumped down this rabbit hole. I couldn't help it. She was exploring, she was diving down, and sometimes we have to do that to discover what else is in God's Word. We talked a little bit about, the, about references. God's word has some of the, the most uh, well, the most overall, but some of the most eloquent designs of references it is absolutely crazy. how many scriptures coincide with each other. It's crazy because men could not have wrote a book like this. It took God. For everything to make sense, for everything to coincide, for everything to just mesh together, it took God. And so whenever we begin to observe God's word, he will open our eyes. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy love. Loosely translated, the word wondrous is one of the largest, most, I'm looking for an adjective here, eloquent words that they can use. This is a a meaning of absolute beauty in the Old Testament. And so whenever he sees the words wonder, yeah, we call a lot of things wonderful. But this is bigger than that. This word is greater than that. Whenever the psalmist here talks about the wondrous things out of thy law, he's putting this at the top of the list. He is putting great reference, great uh, emphasis on on the law of God, on, on his word. On the things that, that he spoke that he had man write down. Open thou mine eyes. That I may that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Whenever you read a really good book. They call the, the words jumping out on the page. They, they just jump out at you. Something that you want to read is something that you want to pay attention to. It's something that you can't put down. God's word ought to be that way to us. It ought to be something that we dive down rabbit holes after. It ought to be something that we, we pick up and begin reading in Judges and it's, it's such a good story. It, it, it makes so much sense to us. It is jumping out at the page at us and, and then 2 o'clock rolls around and we figure out we got to go to bed. That's how God's Word ought to be to us. Whenever we observe, whenever we discover, whenever we ponder God's Word, we're, we're reading and studying that not for our, for our benefit personally. We're doing it so that we can become better disciples for God we're doing it so we can live a better life for God, is we're doing it so we can do, have a greater witness for God. The second step is over in Psalm 119, verse 27. It says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. The second step that I find whenever I begin to read God's word and study is to try to understand. It's to try to uh, well to get or to understand to realize an interpretation from the Holy Spirit. The the only way that God can that God's words can be interpreted is by the Spirit that lives within us. That's the reason you, you read all these different interpretations and they're all different. That's because they all didn't come from the Spirit of God. They came from a man that was really, really greedy and wanted to make a little bit of extra money. They came from a person that didn't like the way God's Word was written and he wanted to leave out words and leave out the blood. We're not going to get off on that. It's, it, it, it's a pet peeve of mine. It kind of aggravates me. But uh, that's a rabbit hole that I jumped down. But whenever we begin to, to, re- to, to look into God's Word, it is not open for private interpretation. It is to interpreted to us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's the extent of it. But if we're not willing to listen, if we're not willing to pay attention... If we sit down and read our Bible and our phone is laying right here and every couple of minutes we're looking up at it to make sure we had not got a tweet or a text message or a chap snap from somebody, then for some reason or another, we we can't concentrate on God's Word and we wonder why the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to us. We wonder why we're just reading and reading. It's because we, we, we hadn't committed. We hadn't said, God, open my eyes. We hadn't got to the point that that we could truly say, make me to understand. Make me to understand. That's going beyond asking, isn't it? That's going a little bit further. That's let's saying, let's say, God, I'm here. I'm open, I'm willing, I'm available. You promised you would do it. God help. Me. That's the extent of it. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. The second part, Is to so I shall talk of thy wondrous works. The third step that I find in studying my word, uh, studying my Bible, is that not only do I have to observe what God's Word is saying, not only do I have to receive an interpretation that I might be able to put it into my terms, in in world's terms, in, in present day terms rather. But at some point in time, I have to carry it out. If I don't apply it, I've done absolutely nothing. If I don't apply this word to my everyday life, if I don't apply what I have found in here, if I don't apply his teachings, if I don't apply God's commands to my everyday life, what have I done? I have done exactly what the man that got the money and wrapped it in a napkin and put it in the ground did. I have buried it. Everything what I've been given, if I don't apply it to my life, if I don't share it with others, if I don't talk with our wondrous works, I have buried it. And if I'm lucky enough to remember where I buried it, 10 years from now, it's possible that I could use it again if I go back and dig it up. But chances are, we won't remember where we buried it. Speaking metaphorically, of course. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? That's what they say. It's what I learned about fractions. I had to relearn it last year when I started teaching it. Never used them. If you don't use the word of God in your everyday life, if, if we don't apply it, if we don't practice, well, let's flip over to verse number 60. In Psalm 119. I spent a lot of time in Psalm 119 this, this week, if you couldn't uh, realize that. In verse 60, it said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I made haste. And delayed not to keep thy commandments. There are promises in this book. And we can just barely wrap our minds around. There are promises in this book that, that makes us grin and smile. But in addition to that, there are commandments. There are things that God asks from us. And those go far beyond, thou shalt not kill. It goes back to the end of Matthew and the beginning of Acts. It goes back to Jesus' ministry whenever he said, I shall make thee. Fishers of men. Friend, he wasn't just talking to the disciples. Yes, he was speaking to them, literally. But his words echoed through time to you and to me. He saved us so that we could become fishers of men. What do we use for bait? A lot of people don't like the song. I'm a fishing person. I like the song. Bill Gaither. And the Gaither Vocal Band sings one. He said, I catch them and God cleans them. I bait the hook with the love of the kingdom. I've been called to be a fisher of men. I reel them in and God washes away their sin. It it makes sense to me. We bait the hook with the gospel, with the love of the kingdom, with Jesus Christ, and we are to be fishers of men. We are the ones to, to go out and to work, and, and we're not supposed to always catch them. Anybody ever been fishing and caught a fish ever cast? I was hoping somebody would raise their hand. I was going to get to go fishing with you. <laughs> I can't do it. I've been unable to do it all of my life. I, I rarely go and catch anything at all, it seems like. We're not supposed to go catching. We're supposed to go fishing. We're supposed to, we're supposed to throw the bait out. We're, we use the analogy all the time, plant the seed. We're not guaranteed results. We're, we're not promised. We sing the song, Just One More Soul. If just one more soul will walk down the aisle. It'll be worth every trouble. It'll be worth every trial. The lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. All the work, all the study, all the prayer for one. To be a blessing to one. Saved. Lost. On the fence, don't know, in trouble, sick, in despair, suicidal, depressed, anxiety, stressed out we can we can make a difference. I had a kid today we were giving speeches in class. They were told that they had to give a speech without using filler words, so um like yeah whatever, and so he stood up and the kid had terrible grades. Always kind of been a trouble kid. And he stood up and he gave a speech. I I, I don't think he used any of those words. But about 60 seconds in, I, I wasn't listening for it anymore. He gave a speech that made half the kids in a high school ag class cry. Made me tear up. He talked about being adopted. About slipping into depression after his mom told him she didn't want him anymore. After being beaten by his dad... Came back home to live with his mom who was drugged up and she left. Being adopted. Kicked out of school. Having suicidal thoughts. He said the one thing that saved him was music. And he told about it. And he wasn't trying to have a pity party. He was telling everybody to find that one thing that makes you happy. That was the point of his speech. That he stood up and talked for four minutes far off the top of his head. He'd never stood up in front of a class before. And he told everybody, and, and the point of his speech was to find something that makes you happy. Find something that when everything else goes wrong, that will always make things go right. Find something that when everything else is just killing you, that you can find something to smile about. And his was music. After class we talked a little bit, and the kid said that was that was the only thing that got me through. I said, Well, he he used to go to church, I'd see pictures of him on Facebook singing in the choir at the Methodist Church, and I asked him. He said his daddy was a deacon, his daddy that beat him. He, he said, I can't go back to church. And we had a conversation about it, and I'm not going to go into the details, but the, the kid seems to be in better shape now. And he was trying to help other people with what he had learned. That was the whole point of what he was doing. He wasn't drawing a pity party. He had been through some things. He had learned some things, and he was trying to help other people. We have all been through something. But the important thing is God has got us through it, and we have something to share. We have something to talk to other people about. We have something to stand up in front of a class and talk about. We have something to grab a coworker by the arm and talk about. We have something to share with our kids, to share with our family. Christmas time is coming around, and at Christmas we always, uh, kind of like Thanksgiving we go around the room, especially at, at Popo's house, we would always go around the room and we'd have to say something we were thankful for, We say a a scripture that we have memorized, some sort of uh, something to do with the Bible. and That's always a time that you can talk about your salvation. That's always a time that you can introduce Jesus to someone. That's always a time that you can express concern for your family, for your friends that may be lost. There are ample opportunities among us. There used to be an excuse that, well, I, I can't be a missionary. I don't ever go anywhere. The thing about it is, missionaries don't go everywhere. Missionaries exist in our community because they talk to other people about Christ. Because they live a life that you can see the love of Christ through them. Because they are rooted and grounded in thus saith the word of God. And if we are, we we can be that same witness. We can be that same inspiration. We can be the same thing that the, the, the psalmist here said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I didn't put it off. I put off buying birthday presents for most people because I don't want to get something and it'd be the same thing that somebody else got them. So usually, if you get a birthday present from me, it's going to be uh, six months ahead or two or three weeks late. That way I know I'm not interfering with somebody else's gift. Uh, except for my wife. I try to surprise her. But nobody else gets her anything as big as I do. So we're going to pretend that that works. But if you get a present from me, most of the time it's going to be a little bit late. But the Bible said, it's almost here said that, he said, I... I Delayed not. I didn't slow down. I, I didn't think twice. I didn't stutter. I didn't hesitate. You, you always understand that whenever you ask somebody to do something and they hesitate, guess what? They don't really want to do it. That's right. They're looking for a way out. Right. If we hesitate, God knows our heart. If we do it grudgingly, God knows our heart. If we're reading the Bible but thinking about Xbox, God knows our heart. If we're reading the Bible and thinking about where I need to be, what I need to be doing, Thinking about that dirty floor I need to mop. Thinking about that nasty car I need to vacuum out. Thinking about the dogs that need walking. Thinking about the kids that are probably tearing the wallpaper off the wall in the other room. At some point we have to think about God. And he'll give us all the rest. He said, I made haste and delayed not. To what? To keep thy commandments. To obey. The last part of the three steps is application. We have to apply God's word to our heart. We have to apply it to our life. We have to practice and obey. Practice and obey. We're going to fly through them one more time. The first step was to observe, to read God's word, to make it a habit but not do it out of habit, do it out of love, to set aside a time, an opportunity that you have, and I understand that life is absolutely insane sometimes. But just as God will give us an opportunity to be a witness, God will give us an opportunity to read his word if we'll take it. If we'll prioritize, we'll set aside other things that that shouldn't be there. The second part is interpretation. If we'll ask, if we'll pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to God that the Holy Spirit will help us, will guide us, will teach us, will show us exactly where we need to be, what we need to be studying, will show us how this can apply to our life, will show us where we have failed through his word. And we'll understand that that God's word no, not only applies to 2,000 years ago people. It applies to me and you today. And if, if God, if Jesus delays his coming 2,000 years from now, it will apply again. Still, it don't go out of existence. And understanding it does not slow us down whenever we interpret the word of God through the Holy Spirit. And not through what I want. Not through my perspective. Not throughout what I want it to say. The last part is application to Practice and obey, thus saith the word of God. I have a verse of a song. I ask for a verse of an invitation if anyone would have anything on their heart.